Hello everybody, this is Curtis from Tremble letting you know that we are brought to you by Shudder. Shudder is the horror movie streaming service that brings you all the latest and greatest that horror has to offer. But you don't have to take my word for it. You can use TremblePod, that's T-R-E-M-B-L-E-P-O-D, when you sign up for an account. This will give you a free 30-day trial on us, so you can check it out for yourself. With that said, let's get on with this week's episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Trumbull. This is Curtis, as you probably know. A uh, bit of an unconventional episode you're going to be listening to. This is not a numbered episode because we're not covering a traditional horror movie release. Instead, we're going to be interviewing two filmmakers who are having films submitted in the Crazy Eights Film Festival, which is in Vancouver. Uh, by the time you're listening to this, it'll be this coming Saturday. So. Definitely would recommend that if you're in Vancouver and you want to check that out, you can definitely find more information on the Crazy Aids website. Uh, but I am interviewing both uh, Kenny Welsh, who is the director of The Faraway Place, which is kind of like a horror fantasy film. And then I'm also talking to Stephanie Isaac, who is the director of Consumer, which is kind of like a horror comedy film. So uh, I talked to the both of them and I kind of dive into what their films are and what they were kind of working on, etc., and uh yeah i'm sharing it all with the rest of you so i uh, definitely would recommend that if you have a sec to uh buy some tickets for crazy eights and check out uh, both those films as well as the other films of the festival there's definitely quite a bit even if you're not uh looking particularly for horror although there is a good horror representation in that uh, festival as well so with that we're going to jump to the interviews and then uh yeah that'll be it and then uh, of course i have released this alongside this week's daily or weekly episode so if you're not a particular fan of interviews for whatever reason you just want to listen to us talk about horror movies uh as we typically traditionally do that is available as well all right on to the interviews Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Trumbull, the horror movie podcast. I'm your host, Curtis, and uh, Steve and Taylor are not joining me on this venture today. Uh, as we've got a special interview uh, with uh, Stephanie Isaac, who, uh, Stephanie, you directed a movie that's going to be appearing in the Crazy Eights Festival that uh, Vancouver puts on once a year. And uh, you made a movie called Consumer, which is sort of like a comedy horror film. So, we're uh, just taking a little bit of time today to talk about the movie and uh, let people know about this. I've seen the movie. I enjoyed it myself personally. I think most oh, people, that's great. Most people's taste at least lines up more or less with mine. So I think if I enjoyed <laughs> it, most people would similarly enjoy it. Um, oh, but, that's so kind. That's great. Yeah. Uh, but I guess, Stephanie, my first question is, is uh, maybe you can kind of like, I know what the movie's about, but I kind of would be interested to hear about it from your own words. Like, what is Consumer about in your mind? Yeah, so um, I wrote Consumer um, to explore the ideas of uh, things like body dysmorphia and really take a lens to toxic uh, diet culture that's so prevalent in our society these days and the effects that are it's having on uh, our teenagers, especially young women. So, um, you know, like a lot of great horror, the kind of horror that I love, um, it sort of spins that into uh, a story about somebody who takes an idea to its extreme. So consumer explores um, what would happen if a young girl who was sort of tortured by toxic beauty standards stumbles on a 
destructive and rather disturbing way to lose weight and sort of mm. takes that idea to its extreme. And yeah, it, it, like you said, it's, I mean, I find, I find the label comedy horror kind of funny because I, I, I don't know, I guess, yes, it has some laughs in it. Um, mm. Um, but that's just not how I would label it, but I don't really know how I would label it. But, um, yeah, it's, um, sort of like a coming of age horror. We were toying with the idea of bubblegum horror sort of feels right. It's, it's horror, but it has that sort of like, um, vibrancy to it that, um, a lot of the coming of age films have. So yeah, it's, it's fun. It's fast. Um, I think it's going to be a crowd pleaser. Yeah, and I think it's a comedy film, not in the inherently sort of obvious sense. Like, I think the humor kind of comes in little spurts, but it was never, it wasn't the same for me as, like, watching a film where the comedy is a bit more prevalent. Uh, it kind of felt like it was a little bit more subtle in this, which I kind of enjoyed. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. When I think comedy horror, I think of that's usually also associated with horror films that like there's a big body count and there's a lot of sort of gratuitous gore and things like that, which, you know, certainly have their place. Um, mm -hmm. But that's sort of less the tone of our film, I think. Um, yeah, we were really, we, you know, films like um, Jennifer's Body and Carrie were really big influences for me and my okay. writing partner when we were putting the film together. And certainly when I was directing the film and working with all of my key departments in, in designing how the film would look and feel, um, those films were, were pretty big. A lot of the horror films of the 70s um, were big because they had that, um, yeah, they just, they just sort of captured that sort of... Um, what am I trying to say? That that sort of like clash between innocence and, and horror yeah. we were going for. Yeah, yeah I think uh, the 70s definitely sort of had this idea that like young people and horror, and you see that a lot in the 80s as well, but I think the 70s really yeah. introduced that as an idea. It's like, hey, you know, horror is horror because we're putting these people in danger who are, you know, people that you're supposed to protect, like kids and whatnot, so... Yeah. yeah, there was the whole, um, I was just reading something this morning about, you know, in the 70s, you know, birth control and things like that started to become a real thing. So then there was this huge movement in the horror film industry to to tell stories about children, like things like The Omen and, you know, The Exorcist and all of these, all of these stories that came out sort of exploring the, the horrific aspect of having kids and, yeah. um the 70s was really the era where horror films became more of a psychological exploration rather than just, uh, you know, gore and, and a body count. Mm -hmm. uh, I guess my next question is, is uh, when casting this movie, how easy or difficult of a process was it? Because it seems like the cast fits very well the idea of what you're trying to go for. So I'm just kind of curious, was that something that kind of fit pretty quickly or was that something that took a little bit extra time? Oh, you know, Kurt, I love that you said that because I think the cast, the cast of our film is is definitely one of the things that I'm the most proud of. Um, it was difficult to cast it, but that was just such a blessing because we got so many fantastic auditions. And I honestly could have, I could have cast the film a couple of different ways, mm. but that definitely would have, um, it would have affected, just as you're saying, the fit, um, you know, uh, what what kind of film it was going to be. I just feel like we really got blessed with the right actors um, who were game, you know. We really have some of the greatest talent, um, some of the brightest stars in Vancouver. So I, I feel really blessed that they were, they were up to come out and play with us. But yeah, yeah I agree with you. I think that um, 
everybody just sort of fits and uh, uh, certainly, certainly definitely like the, the comedic chops of like Jill Morrison and mm-hmm. um, Keegan Connor Tracy, who plays the doll. Or I, I like, it was just, it made my job so easy. <laughs> yeah. Honestly. Well, it's just that when it all meshes together, it's just like, oh my gosh, this is way too easy. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, but it's the- tough. Like casting is so hard because I, mm-hmm. I'm an actor as well, so I know, I know. Like everybody was just so good. It was like I was truly working with my casting director, sort of scratching my head and saying, I don't know. Like I, I like everyone is so good. <laughs> it's, it was yeah. really tough. But then at the end of the day, um, I think we made all the right choices. So that's awesome. I guess another question I have is uh, with these crazy eight films, like I know there's a bit of a time constraint on like how long you can make the movies. Did you ever find that to be overly difficult or did you find that like with the pacing and everything, you were able to fit everything you wanted relatively easily? Oh, Kurt. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, crazy eights, the sort of time crunch is a huge aspect of the entire experience and drives a lot of the experience. Um, yes, we felt the pressure every single moment. Um, I, you know, that didn't mean that we were constantly stressed on on set or anything like that or yeah. in post production. I think we we got everything we wanted. We had to make a few small tweaks to 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 make sure that we made our days. But other than that, that's really part of the, I guess, athleticism of doing Crazy Eights is right. it is fast and furious. It is you get in there. You know, part of the beautiful thing about becoming a crazy eights film is that you have incredible resources at your disposal but you have to you know have a crew that knows what they're doing and you know the more organized really like any film the more organized you are the better the better the outcome will be but you know with crazy eights you just the margin of error has to be smaller mm-hmm. or you know and and they do a great job of of positioning us for success with making sure we have things like backup locations and you know, backup cast, possibly, if something fell through. We were very lucky um, on our film. Nothing really major fell through for us. Everything worked out. Um, so we were able to have just so much fun on set, um, mm-hmm. making our days and, and you know, giving my actors the chance to play because that was really important to me, you know, yeah. um, as an actor myself. Um, but yes, to answer your question... Oh boy, was it fast. And five days of post-production, you know, especially with films this big, you know, these end up being really large scale short films in terms of, um, you know, how, how sort of cinematic we're able to make everything. And we, we have some special effects shots in there. So everything came together just so quickly. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there was a lot of lost sleep (laughs) for those eight days. Yeah. Well, I'm definitely like, you know, I just imagine like trying to take a movie that could, you know, probably even be like a 90 minute film or a two hour long film and like condensing it down to like 12 minutes. has got to be uh, a difficult task because you probably could like expand this into like a full feature length film. And I think you said that for a lot of the crazy Eight films. Uh, so I, I imagine, yeah, like the time crunch of getting everything done and trying to condense everything down to that. I think it's can't exceed more than 12 minutes, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, mm-hmm. It's, it's got to be tough. I, as someone who's dabbled yeah. to filmmaking myself, I, I could not imagine trying to fit something into that time frame. <laughs> I would not be able to do it. Yeah. Like yeah. It's crunchy. And, and you know, I, I'm finding I'm learning as a director. um how difficult the editing process can be because I, you know, I come from dancing. And so I, you know, I, I really think in terms of rhythm and 
you know, all of the advice that people give you is to get get your film down as short as possible. Um, mm -hmm. When you're considering festival submissions, they like nice short films, but it's tough, man, because you know you just want to let some moments breathe. And uh, yeah, you know, there might be a director's cut of the film coming, but certainly, you know, the beautiful thing about a short film is you really do try, you try and tell a film as economically as possible. Um, yeah. And that's sort of the artistry of it, really is how well you can do that and how how much you can make of of a short time so um yeah i don't think we could do a, a full 90 minute edit of the footage we got but i could certainly do like a 25 minute edit of my film yeah. but that would be a pretty useless cut of the film at the end of the day <laughs> awesome uh so i guess uh you know obviously this is uh such a great event to be a part of but i'm kind of curious like do you have anything on the horizon that you're excited to share or uh, you kind of wait to see how Crazy Eights kind of lands before you proceed. Uh, you mean directing? Yeah, like directing, like project-wise, or anything really like acting. Yeah. Even too. Sure. Yeah. Um, I I have another film that um, is in pre 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 production um, with my um, uh, story partner on that is Rob Zawistowski, who was my DP on this film. We're nice. longtime collaborators, and we have a film that I wrote last year. Then the screenplay for it actually went off and did very well at the Austin Film Festival this year. Mm. Um, so we're just sort of getting financing in place, and it's called Parabola. So hopefully we'll be going into production for that um, in late 2022, maybe early 2023. Um, and after, other than that, I... Uh, you know, my job working on set uh, as an actor keeps me pretty busy. I just wrapped a pretty big project that I can't talk about yet, but um, it will be coming out in the in the fall. And then uh, I have a, a role on CW's The Flash. I play a police officer in Central City. Okay. Um, so that's, uh, we're going into our eighth season next year. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. And, uh, you know, speaking of, finding out which projects you're working on like where can people find you if they want to follow you and get more information if people want to find me they can follow me on instagram that's really the only platform i'm i'm pretty active on it's just at stephanie isaac my name um and my last name is spelled i-z-s-a-k it's hungarian um wow. so that's where people can pretty much find me i also have a website which is kind of under construction right now but they also can find me there it's just stephanieisaac.com nice and yeah, yeah, definitely would recommend that uh, people go check out uh, your film consumer at the Crazy Eight Film Festival. Definitely worth checking out. I think, you know, goes to say there's a lot of great films there to check out. But uh, if you're kind of curious, Absolutely. hey, what should I watch? Yeah. Where's a good starting point? Consumer is <laughs> a great place to start, in my opinion. Yeah. Oh, that's so kind. Thank you so much, Kurt. Yeah, I think the Crazy Eight event is always the biggest um, independent filmmaking event in Vancouver every year. It's a big party. It's so much fun. Great opportunity to meet new network uh, and to network with new people. So I think there are still tickets available if you go to um, crazyates.com, I think, or .org. Yes. I'm not sure which one it is. Um, but there's, there's going to be six fantastic short films. I think all of the films just look um, absolutely incredible this year. So mm -hmm. if you're in Vancouver, come, come say hi. Yeah, please do. All right. Well, Stephanie, thank you for your time and uh, good luck at the festival. Oh, thank you so much, Kurt. Thanks for having me. This was fun. You're welcome. <laughs> All right, everybody. Welcome back. And uh, we're going to be 
interviewing here, Kenny Welsh. Uh, Kenny, you worked on a film that's uh, going to be featured in the Crazy Eights Film Festival, and uh, it's called The Faraway Place. Uh, yes, The Faraway Place, yeah. Oh, Faraway Place, sorry. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, uh, you wrote and directed the film. Uh, I guess my first question here to start us off is, uh, in your words, what is the film about? The film is a fantasy horror film about a young woman and her father, both of whom have horns, living in the forest, and then they're being hunted by a cult. Yeah. And, uh, I, yeah, it, you know, definitely uh, kind of gives you a little bit of, uh, kind of like, I don't know, I got picked up on a little bit of, like, socio-political kind of commentary uh, when watching this, was that something that you kind of intended or was that something that you were, as you were writing, it kind of shaped itself? Like, I'm kind of curious at what point, what, while you were writing this, did that kind of come to play? Yes. Yeah, so the, the main reason I wrote this story is because I'm indigenous, Okay. but I didn't grow up with any of like the indigenous culture or anything because, because of like colonization and stuff like that. So that was like the main like metaphor that's depicted in the film is the act of colonization from the point of view of someone who is being colonized. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting because you use the horns, but obviously the horns are kind of more of a metaphor or I guess a symbol for, you know, kind of more deeper uh, issues in society. Uh, yeah. Although there are still obviously cases where people will kind of take like physical attributes and use those for, uh, you know, prejudice and stuff like that. But I thought it was interesting that it it didn't overly seem like it was kind of too hitting you over the head with those themes, but it was still prevalent enough uh, that I thought it was really well done how you managed to bob and weave throughout those themes without it being too uh, overly strong or anything like it still was an enjoyable film even without those themes, but with those, it just makes it so much stronger. Yeah. Thank you. That was like kind of important in like the development process of the film was like, I don't want to be too, too in the, in your face and on the nose with it. So mm -hmm. I, wanted to, I wanted to make sure there was some subtlety to it as well. Right. Uh, also too, you filmed a lot of this uh, film outside and I'm kind of curious while you're filming outside, was that an overly difficult thing to do? Did you kind of encounter a lot of issues with weather and stuff like that? Or did you find it was relatively easy? Um, yeah. So the whole thing was shot out outdoors. We didn't have any indoor scene at all. It was okay on the first day because it was sunny, even though it was kind of cold, but in the next two days it was intermittent rain. So it was pretty it was pretty challenging because it's like it's cold and everyone's outside for a majority of like the day. Mm -hmm. But uh, we, we managed it, in the forest. There's a lot of enough tree cover that we didn't get like downpoured on. But we did feel the rain and the cold. So, yeah, a bit of a struggle, but we managed. That's awesome. And I can imagine, too, that, yeah, it is. Uh difficult as someone who's done some filmmaking myself like anytime you kind of deal with anything outside of a sound stage it starts to be more difficult because you're dealing with all these unknown elements yeah yeah it was funny it's like because there was an issue with the first day 
in regards to one of the actors. Mm. And so what ha- ended up happening is we lost our lead actress. Oh, wow. After the, fir- after the first day. We didn't find out until the morning of the second day that she wasn't going to be coming. Mm-hmm. And so we had to recast and reshoot everything on those last two days. So we right. had a really big time crunch because we also shot only during the daytime in the natural lighting. Right. So there was a let uh, a fight to get everything because we had to reshoot everything from the first day because the actor changed. Mm-hmm. And so we had to reshoot everything within those two days instead of having three days to shoot everything. So mm-hmm. that was the biggest challenge, I think. Okay. That's awesome. I'm also kind of curious too, uh, you know, as you were making this film, uh, you know, obviously you have such vision for this and it's very evident uh, in watching this, but I'm curious, how did that casting process go? Was it a relatively easy one? Did you run into any issues, either major or minor, while you were trying to get this cast together for this? I think the hardest part of the casting process was it's was finding like indigenous actors because mm. there's not many of them and then especially in the age range that was playing the father character urus but we ended, so that one was a more of a struggle we actually didn't get a ton of submissions oh. in terms of indigenous actors interesting yeah we had a lot of submissions for the villain characters but mm-hmm. in terms of like the protagonist because i wanted to have indigenous actors in the lead roles right but there wasn't there wasn't a ton of submissions for it that's interesting did you ever find that like somebody maybe like went for the villain and you were like actually you're better off playing like the father or the protagonist or anything like that no actually it's the character like the father character he's an indigenous actor and i've actually i actually work with him at my job like my day job so he he works at the same company as me. Okay. So and he was he's an actor and he's got he had a ton of experience before. So he, when he got the casting call, he submitted. But there wasn't a ton of other submissions. Okay. Isn't he he was just the best one for the role anyway. So that's awesome. Yeah. I guess too uh, another question I had is uh, when you're making this film, obviously like there is uh, you know the horns and stuff like that. I'm kind of curious like. You know, obviously, Crazy Eights and all these films are, you know, very tight budgets, very tight in terms of everything in the production side of things. How was uh, development of those horns? Did you find that that was something that was easily uh, made? Because it looked great. I mean, I was actually kind of surprised. I mean, knowing how tight these budgets are, I'm like, wow, like, you really seem to stretch that budget well. So I'm kind of curious, like, how did you go about doing that? Yeah, so the makeup artist that was on the film she we'd worked together like several times in the past before Mm -hmm. and then like early on in the development of this even like when i was doing the pitch for it i had got a demo video with the horns so i already knew that she could make them she knew how to do it right so and then she was just she just knew basically everything how to how to make these horns so oh she did she did lots of like special effects makeup before so it was a pretty easy process to get that. Okay. So it wasn't, uh, so, you know, I guess having that experience and making those horns, it probably made the experience a lot more smoother for you uh, and get yeah. that done. That's awesome. Yeah. 
Awesome. Uh, I guess uh, the other question I have is uh, obviously, you know, everyone here is uh, going to want to check out uh, your film here and all that. But I'm curious, like after Crazy Eights is done, like what do you have next? Is there anything you're excited to work on after this? Um, yeah, I mean, like I'm working on trying to like develop this into like a feature length film, mm. obviously. And then. I don't know. I, I have so many like ideas spinning around in my brain. I'm just trying to figure out like, okay, which one am I going to focus on next? And as well as like, aside from film, I also do music. So I'm trying to get like music videos done and stuff. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Cool. Uh, well, you know, I've mentioned this at the other interview as well, but uh, definitely would recommend that people uh, check out Crazy Eights and check out uh, your film there, The Faraway Place. And, uh, yeah, definitely people can buy tickets for it. It's uh, coming this uh, coming. Well, by the time this comes out, it'll be this coming Saturday in uh, Vancouver. So definitely yeah. would recommend that people check that out. And uh, Kenny, where can people find you if they want to follow you and follow more of your work? Yeah, so um, I, usually most of the stuff I do is on Instagram, which is eat.your.friends. Okay. On Instagram and then SoundCloud as well, where I post music is the... Uh, soundcloud.com slash eat your friends okay awesome yeah yeah definitely uh would recommend that people follow you because uh, i think you got a lot of great talent here and we're all really excited to see what you do next so definitely we'll yeah, thank uh, you. be following along awesome yeah, well thank thanks. you so much for your time kenny and uh good luck at the festival yeah thank you thanks for having me here thank you